listening to episode 311 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with season two of the German Netflix series, Dark. And, dude, talking about dark, I mean, we've had really hot weather here for the last week or so. I was recording with Michael Sunday night. Oh, my God. It's like the room was shaking. That's how loud the thunder was. Yeah, yeah, Was it like that at your place? Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Um, yesterday, it wasn't. There, there, we definitely had thunder yesterday, but um, yeah, the storm had passed, and I'm like, it's like I guess midnight. I'm sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden, I hear this explosion, and then the whole house just goes dark. Oh, uh, I don't know. Like the the so we finally got power back at like noon today. Oh um, wow. Yeah. Oh, you mean yeah. over a day? No, it was 12 hours. Oh, 12 hours. Still, yeah. that's... that's Yeah. Uh, yeah. But luckily, because of all the rain, it cooled down enough that we just opened up the window to the room and it was, you know, cool enough to sleep, so... Yeah. But yeah. And I know... I remember talking about the weather around here being very wind and like when we were recording some of the episodes for season one, so... Uh, uh-huh. I do the weather gods just, they must know. But, yeah, uh, yep, yep. All right. Um, you want to mention our Patreon patrons, and, and thank you all for supporting Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And we have a new patron, Mark Ostroff. Uh, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, Mark. Uh, thank you for supporting Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Hope you'll get involved with either feedback for the podcast, feedback on the Facebook group, both. But, uh, Mark, thanks for joining yeah. All right. and, More money uh, for Dave DeBlow and hookers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll run down, you know, some more of the details about the Patreon account next time. Try not to do it, you know, every week. Uh, you know, you guys can go to the Patreon page if you want to see that. But uh, one little piece of news, the official announcement at San Diego Comic-Con, which was uh, last week, that season seven will be the final season for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. And it seems to be a trend that, uh, you know, that the powers that be are, are, are gaining an understanding that what's the big deal of letting a show know when it's going to be over so that it can plan accordingly because at the end of the day as you and i've said many times about many shows you know it hurts the fans more than anybody right right and to yeah to have a show end with just some you know kind of generic maybe cliffhanger maybe you know to try and draw that balance of closing out a season potentially closing out a series yeah, you know, yeah, it's just it's you're right. It it sucks for the fans, um, right. mostly. But you know, not all shows really, you know, earn that. I guess you know. Well, that's a good point. That that is a good point. And Michael and I were talking about whether or not we anticipated a really big cliffhanger at the end of season six, which is currently running, since they know they're getting a seventh season. So whether they they knew in time, I don't know. Who knows. But uh, yeah, anyway, I'm way not caught up on Agents of Shield. Yeah, I know. I, I, that. I haven't watched that in, in probably like a month. Not necessarily purposefully, but just you know, okay. just kind of got behind and you know. Uh, but you are in season six. You're just not. Oh yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Oh okay. All right, cool. 
So, all right. Do you have a tip of the week? I do have a tip of the week. Okay. So this one is not a genre show, but uh, it is a series version of one of my absolute favorite movies, and that is the Hulu series Das Boot. Oh, you know, I've still never seen the movie. Can you believe that? OMG. I know. The movie is amazing. The movie is one of my absolute favorites. Of all time. It's it's incredible. It's a spectacular movie in so many ways. So, unfortunately, well, not, I, I shouldn't say unfortunately. But, well, I guess a series like Das Boot, then, the, one of the first things you are working against are people like me who love the original material. And this, I mean, it was a novel. I never read the novel. But who love the movie. And I come in thinking, okay. There was a really good movie. Why are you making a miniseries? Yeah, whatever. I guess I guess I think it's an actual series. Uh, it's they ended it. it I, I haven't read anything about it, but the way it ended, it seemed like there's going to be a season two. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of expectations. Uh, case in point, uh, Catch Twenty Two that Hulu also did. You know, that's another thing where there's a great book and a great movie already out there. So. Show me why this is a series, you know. I think Das Boot was much more successful than Catch-22 was with, you know, capturing a lot of the essence of the original movie, but also having a completely, like, whereas the movie is just about the boat, uh, in this case, this the, the series, there's also this element following this Alsatian uh, interpreter working for the Germans who gets caught up with the French resistance in La Rochelle. So there's a lot of those elements too. So it's just, it was really good. I mean, it was really, really good. I, I, I have to admit my expectations were maybe, again, because how is this going to live up to, you know, a classic, a movie like that? And I think it, it, it did the best by saying, you know, we're, we're not the movie. It's completely different. You know, in almost every way, uh, it obviously still does follow a submarine crew, but but a much different crew than the one that we saw in the movie. Um, just a really, really, really good series. The acting, great. Um, uh, I assume so, at least. This was completely in German with uh, English subtitles. I, can't, I highly recommend it. All right. Now, for me, if you are a Trisha Helfer fan from her Battlestar Galactica days as the iconic Cylon number six, or maybe as Lucifer's mother and the lawyer Charlotte Richards in the Fox and Netflix supernatural tale Lucifer, you got another shot to check her out in another genre show. She's going to join the Van Helsing cast for the upcoming season four, and she'll be playing, as far as I've been able to find out, And this is not a spoiler. I mean, it's out there all over the Internet. So, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for you. But uh, apparently she will be the first female to interpret the character of Dracula. So at this Mm. point, there's no firm return date. But if we look to the past, expect it to return around October. So, dude, uh, you know, I cover Van Helsing in written form for Den of Geek. Um such a Trisha Helfer fan. I'm really psyched to see how this turns yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a big bonus for you there, man. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's get to Dark. This is episode five of season two titled Lost and Found, 
written by Yante Frisia, Ronnie Schalk, who also wrote 202 together, and they wrote a bunch in season one, directed, as always, by Baron Bo O'Dar. And, you know, as I'm going through my notes for this podcast, it seemed like even though a ton happens here, we learn a lot, I don't feel like I have as many notes. So I guess we'll find out as we go along. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I find it fascinating because, uh, dude, I think I'm going to be the next person that dreams about having sex with Martha. Because uh, <laughs> there's nobody left <laughs> this time we see older jonas well, it's yeah yeah it's all that older jonas right and everything so, yeah um which is you know i don't know if that's okay i don't know what's creepier like she's already your aunt and you had the dream when you were younger and now you're older and having now you're an older guy having sex with a younger girl that's uh that's also kind of creepy but yeah now yeah i don't know well, aside from the salacious aspect of it, on my rewatch, what I feel like maybe they were trying to show us, and of course there are many different ways they could have shown us this, but we see the increased number of scars on his back that we now know are a result of time traveling rather than you know being beaten or you know whatever so right right uh, uh, now i'm probably giving the uh writers a a break here (laughs) because uh, again i I just don't know any other reason why this is the third time they've opened with this kind of a scene Uh, again not that i'm complaining but well i mean obviously there's a lot of you know this is a key component to uh the show we we kind of get a feeling that that Jonas uh, Martha relationship is, is central here. Um, But this one, you have the, you know, it it ends badly because the ether or God particle or whatever starts coming out of her. It looks like actually not from her stomach, but from her womb almost where. Right. And, And of course with younger Jonas, he's operating under the assumption that she died in the, apocalypse and that he now has a chance to save her albeit at great personal cost but we see adult jonas go to the nielsen home sits on martha's bed and he leaves that medallion and necklace and dude for the life of me i can't remember what's the significance of that necklace or is it simply to give her proof that he's returned for her that she knows that necklace uh, yeah, I can't think that we've seen that necklace yet. Okay. That, but I, can't, clear, I can't really. Like. Well, I mean, clearly when she finds it, she shows a spark of recognition as sure. if she knows that, that it was from Jonas. But we also get clarity about the mission, right? Young Jonas's prime directive is to prevent the 2020 apocalypse and the way he does that is to prevent Michael from committing suicide so that Michael's suicide is apparently the linchpin for everything. Well, so, that's in Jonas's interpretation. It is, you know, okay. O- older Jonas, you mean, or, or Adam? Well, well young, <laughs> all of the, well, Adam knows like how this played out already. I assume, you know, uh, young Jonas, he, he he's the one who kind of gets that conclusion that oh I just need to stop 
Michael. That's kind of, that's what caused everything. If I stop Michael from killing himself, then that will stop all this other stuff from happening. Right. And then that recognition, because he's taking a lot of his cues from Adam, that recognition that, but you won't be born, I won't be born, but Martha will be saved. All that aside, how's he going to stop Michael from committing suicide? I mean, is he going to tell him the truth about time travel? Because, you know, yeah, I, I guess because then Adam, as if we're not confused enough by so much of this, yeah. I think Adam says that if you stop that, then Mickle will never time travel. And if Mickle doesn't time travel, then where does Michael go? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I guess I guess we'll get even more clarity as we move forward. And yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's because I, I so here's here's I guess what I'm just kind of confused as to how preventing Michael from killing himself will like stop anything except like, I mean, like what about his suicide then Prompt, prompted Mickle to. Yeah. Go right. In, it's like, well, he it's, doesn't it's even like, seems like not related, you know? Right. And I was going to say, stop Mickle from going in the cave, but apparently yeah, that's what time you travel. Stop. Yeah. He didn't time travel through the cave. We're not exactly sure how he, one minute he was in the woods, the next minute he was in 1987 or 86 or whatever it was. But, uh, all right, yeah, so, wait, no, we, we, wait, 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 we, we do that. We, we, that, I'm pretty sure we learned that at the end. Yeah, because, um, I, can't, I should have watched season one again, but we, well, we, we see know him how come he, out of the he, cave. He, he went through the cave though. Yeah. Um, well, I think there was the question how he got from, the middle of the forest to the cave. Cause we, I think we see him come out of the cave in season one. So uh, yeah. regardless, well, uh, yeah, either yeah. way. I mean, the point is, is <laughs> we came back to the original point is that we are uncertain as to how Michael not committing suicide can then lead to the other things not happening. Right. So right. for me now, I'm wondering does Adam have another agenda that he's not telling Jonas about at this point? And um, from- well, sh- the uh, quick answer is Shah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got uh, a hidden agenda. But also, he's seen this from a point of, like, yeah, this is how it plays out. I remember this from when I was a young man. You know, he like has that perspective of having, you know, the question is like, like what, like, cause we know Jonas, so that's, I mean, uh, it's just so, we, <laughs> it's just so mind bending, you know, cause we got young Jonas who's all like, I need to stop all this stuff. I need to stop the apocalypse, you know? And then older Jonas who looks like, well, I didn't stop the apocalypse, but. Uh, maybe I'll try again. So I don't even I don't even know what he's doing actually. And then you know, and then so for me, it's not so much a how does this young guy Jonas become this old guy Adam, but how does that middle aged guy like what's that middle aged Jonas's deal? You know, like how does he get to be Adam? Because right now, it doesn't he doesn't seem to be on that. We just don't know what everyone's kind of motives are and everything. 
Well, it's all the course. secrets, right? That was the first episode. Right. right, yes. Now, one of the things we do see in this episode is that there have been a number of time travel devices, methods of traveling through time, and that I guess over the years, they've tried out different things. We, we, we see three distinct plans for time travel devices, several of them we, we certainly recognize, but... Adam tells him, you know, things like I've had 66 years to figure these things out. And and then as Jonas is getting dressed, you know, he's in 1921 with Adam and he's pumped to go back and stop the apocalypse, as you just alluded. And Adam says, yeah, but you got plenty of time. You got 99 years. So, uh, okay, what does that mean? Jonas is like 18. So what you expect them to live his life and he'll he'll stop the apocalypse when he's 117. Yeah, or I mean, so I wasn't that sure about that. And, and well, I, I think he was just pointing out to him that where Jonas is like, we're running out of time. He's like, dude, you got, you have a time machine. You have all the time in the world. Yeah. Well, well, that's true. And, and then as you again mentioned a second ago, young Jonas asks Adam if he knows everything that's going to happen, and he says yes, but implying that but if you stop michael from committing suicide it'll break the cycle and and of course as you said well okay how he he also mentions adam that is that he doesn't know what his counterpart will do even though he knows when wars begin and end which stocks to buy who's his counterpart is he referring to his middle-aged self is that his counterpart of the two of them? Well, it, it going could at be. Each other? But then, you know, like later they say, we've declared war on time. God is yeah. our antagonist. So, oh, yeah. is he fighting God? Because that seems like a pretty tall order. But then we also got like now Noah seems to actually look like he's kind of working against Adam here at the end. It, it seems like he's you know, kind of going against Adam. So, uh, you know, what he means by that counterpart, I don't know. Yeah. And, 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 you know, again, you mentioned declaring a war on time. God is our antagonist. And we've talked over the past few weeks about all this religious imagery we see, particularly through Noah. We're going to create a new world without time, without God. God is time and time is not compassionate. Huh? Now, (laughs) on the one hand, I feel like I'm reading Kierkegaard or Uh Sartre or or so I understand that some of these things will be made clearer. And and I guess that's a lot of the enjoyment of trying to look at a show like Dark. But I, I, I don't know what he means. Create a new world without time. Does he mean create a world in which we can freely travel through time because doesn't he say one of the new devices can send him to like a specific point in time which yeah. i i took i took to mean something different than you know you go through this tunnel to get to 1987 you go through that tunnel to get to you know 2053 but he, I, I guess i took it to mean something different than what we're used to so well i, I think because I think he tells him the, the the God particle will will take him wherever he wants to go, and that 
you know, in that then he can break the 33-year cycle. Right. And he even says it's not the same as the one in the future, which was created by the catastrophe that you so dearly want to prevent. I assume he's talking about the uh, the nuclear power plant uh, disaster. But yeah. that but they created this one. Right. How? In well, 1921. Well, so d- go ahead. Well, yeah, but I mean again time machine, you know, like just cuz he's hanging in 21, he can go wherever he wants to go, you know. Sure. Right. And, and um, then we get get back to the bootstrap paradox. exactly well i think that's what a lot of this stuff just kind of you know relies on that that bootstrap paradox you know because like everything is well i mean he's got this room full of of time machine devices right yeah it seems like he's collected all of the ones that he talks about like the bunker the device the chair you know and everything right um (laughs) like it just says the thing in the future (laughs) like i don't even know what it is i just got the thing you know, so he's gathered all this, this tech, but yeah, we don't, I don't think any of us think that he actually created any of this stuff. Yeah. So, so but somebody know, did, uh, you know, well, did, or did they, you know, like, well, in, in the bootstrap paradox, it, no one really ever actually creates it. It just exists. It just is. Right. So where did Claudia get the blueprints? to give to tan house in 53 right. uh, um, and, and you know of course we understand why we spend so much time trying to figure this stuff out but i also got to thinking that that we sometimes forget to look at the actual characters themselves i mean i look at jonas and he's processing all of this and okay fine time travel's real i know that because i've done it multiple times to see him then suit up go into the dark matter and, and again this is not the first time he's done it the, just the 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 bravery uh, of course one thing but his willingness to sacrifice himself for i think more than simply martha's well-being he understands if he believes what adam has told him that by him doing this it is going to mean that he's never born now whether that's actually true or not we you know and whether there's a you know an ulterior motive that adam has which you know as you said is is probably true still that doesn't negate what jonas is willing to do for everybody else because i don't feel like he's doing this just for him well no i mean even adam says that that you're going to save everyone oh yeah that you know he says that if you he says you if you end michael's suicide we'll cease to exist but everyone else will live right you know so that's strong especially for a young kid that that kind of martyr complex is like a strong motivator you know well uh, absolutely and he doesn't say well hold on could there be another way he just does what he feels needs to be done so you know i i really feel like we have to give props to to jonas teenage jonas and certainly what we've seen of adult jonas as well for you know putting themselves out there for yeah, you know, right. we talked about this before but, is it but, for the you, world? Know, you think he'd almost be like well adam so you're gonna let me do this why are you letting me do this you know like i mean 
I don't think I don't know if Jonas has processed that yet, but he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's right. doing what he did before, which led to Adam. So if he thinks he thinks he's changing things, but Adam obviously if if Adam thought that Jonas going back in time was going to end him, we have to think that Adam's not like the guy who would let that happen. Right. You know. Right. Now, we do So he's got that perspective of saying I know what I've this this is what this is what happens. I this is it's so cute. This is what I did back then. It's so funny watching this, you know. Um, but he's he just kind of kicking back, like, "Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, try to save Michael, try to end it all, knock yourself out." I remember when I tried it, didn't really work out, kid. Yeah, you know? but he doesn't even say that. He just lets him do it. Yeah, he actually encourages him. It seems right. So, and, and since he claims to know how everything is going to turn out, anyway. All right, so we spent some time in 1987, and 1987 Claudia, you know, the power plant manager, has really become a fascinating character this season. And, you know, we see her looking at that newspaper article about Egon's death, dated June 26th, 1987 cause unclear and and again i think we mentioned this last time well what happened to his cancer did something change i mean we have to consider that as we go along i mean we talked a few episodes back about the calendar change is that a result of the timeline itself changing so is there something and at this point i don't think we have an answer but she's certainly looking at that as if something's not right here you know yeah and she is again well, you know she's like the you know she's the the john connor you know she's the one who's gonna i'm i'm gonna change the future right right um and so you know she like goes and tells egan why don't you come live with us and like move like now yeah you know? <laughs> tomorrow like she thinks, right like if she could just keep him out of the apartment then he'll live you know? Right. Now, this is where I need to bring this in. When older Jonas is in Martha's room, did you see the poster that's in the background on her wall? You know, I did, but refresh my memory. Macbeth? It was a Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah, Macbeth. So there's a guy, again, who tries to change his future, tries to change what is destined, and only you know, and actually by trying to change his destiny, he actually brings it ab- about, right? Right, sure. Um, so I thought that that was, that that poster is kind of indicative of like, that's what all these people are doing. Claudia, Jonas, all these people who are thinking they're going to change the way things work out are actually just doing exactly what they're supposed to do to make things turn out as they have. Right. And for those of you that weren't paying attention in high school English class, I mean, Macbeth is operating on the assumption that what prophecies the witches have told him are going to come true as long as he makes them come true. And of course, as we might imagine, it has a catastrophic end to it. But, uh, you know, we, we didn't really hear anything about the prophecies in this episode. So not sure what that's all about at this point but but back to the egon and claudia thing clearly they've had a strained relationship 
So what we see the look on his face when she says, I want you to come live with us, and, and you can see it really makes him happy, and then tomorrow. And of course, we know that she's seen the article in 2020 that he's going to die the next day. So, so of course, as you said, it's to get him out of the apartment. But uh, she gives that vial from the device to one of the plant chemists to test it. If it is what I think it is, it'll change our understanding of the world forever. And I'm thinking like, dude, I hope you trust this guy. Yeah. I'm like, we haven't even seen this guy before and you're just handing him like something that seems pretty darn, I don't know. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. So uh, now we see a little bit of Ulrich. He knocks out the orderly, takes his key card, escapes. And, And I really like the scene when he goes to the Conwald house, you know, he, he knows that, that that's where Mickle's going to be. And Mickle doesn't recognize him at first until Ulrich mentions that thing that Mickle had said when he was doing the, the little magic trick with the uh, cups and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I forget whether it was a penny or a marble or whatever, but that whole not how, but when, and, and just really a touching scene as brief as it was, he's, he calls him Papa. And unfortunately, we we know for for both of these guys, this has been like Mickle's been this poor, lost kid, missing his parents desperately, feeling like there's no chance he'll ever see them again. That's not true because he sees them all the time, but you know, just like not as his parents, right? Uh, Obviously, Ulrich, what he's gone through in in trying to get um, Mickle back, and and now. I just said Mickleback. That's hilarious. Um, oh. <laughs> and now they've finally found each other. You know, yeah, it's just so that that see, that hug was just man. You got you got to be tough, tough nut for that one not to affect you. All right, and the time travel aspect goes unsaid. Both of them understand how they're each. At this point, there there really is no need to say it. And Mickle goes willingly with him, trusting his father that he knows what he's going to do, which we assume they're going to go back to the cave and try to get back to 2020, which is going to open up a whole other set of problems. But but of course, they don't yeah. make it that far. And we see Ulrich no. in restraints. And we get that visual of the camera looking down on him. And he is just crazed looking and i don't know if they've drugged him at that point or what but oh just really really frightening well yeah but not only that but on on the on the way home or not way home on the way back to the hospital he sees mads and martha oh my just hanging out at the bus stop so i mean how crazy is that guy to be making him yeah now granted he does understand how it's happening doesn't necessarily make right. it any easier to deal with. No. From a parental he's, he's been standpoint. for thirty three years he's been locked up and then one day he sees all of his kids. But right. he can't he can't get to any of them. He can't he can't get them back. He can't connect with any of them. Right. But for me, arguably the most frightening, puzzling plot point revolves around Ines stealing those pills from the hospital. Yeah, what the fuck? Sorry, I, is she planning to kill Mickle? I mean, I, no. I, I think I, she's just been drugging him so that he stays like 
like semi catatonic or something. Okay. Um, you know how like weird he is in the future. Yeah. Like, you know, like what, what little we saw of him, right? We didn't really see much of him. You know, and, and like it, it, it just you think Inez is just. I mean, just her whole thing is like preventing him from going back, right? Like at first we, you know, and even I've said, oh, I, I get it. She's trying to protect him. He can't go spouting off about time travel and everything. Everyone's going to think he's going to, he's crazy. He's going to get locked up somewhere. But like technically here, uh, I guess, does she, she doesn't know Ulrich is his dad, right? right? Like she wouldn't know that this crazy guy is his dad. Um, unless she's worked that out somehow. I don't know how she could have. Right, right but, because for the longest you know, it time... Just, it just seems like her whole... Go, no, go I was ahead. just going to say, for the longest time, he didn't reveal his name. So what could she have put together? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. So it just seems like her whole deal is just to to keep him there and to make sure he doesn't leave. You know, which... And, and again, I know part of it is she feels very motherly towards Michael and, and he is fulfilling this, you know, maternal need that, that she has. Um, but I don't know if that's it because, you know, when you see the pills, it seems like, well, wait a second, that, that seems like that goes a little bit beyond this maternal impulse. And, and, when you're driving. Right, and there is a desperation there, but that certainly doesn't justify doing it. I mean, you're you're doing everything you could possibly do as a surrogate parent to let this kid know that you you love him and and care about him and will protect him. So, I guess, I guess she's just that desperate. Now, in terms of parental confrontations, you know, we get to 2020 with Team Magnus and the caves. Before they get to the case, we've got that that meeting when Katerina wants to talk to her two oldest children, and I'm really bothered by the the attitude that Martha has towards her mother. I mean, we get it, but still, you know, I mean, yeah, Magnus. But they're kid. You know, we one thing we we forget that that they're still just kids. Well, they are, I, and like. But they have. I mean, I was I was an idiot when I was sixteen. You know, I was like so. I had such a bad, especially towards my parents. You know, like I thought uh, I hate my parents. Uh, you know, they're so stupid. They, uh, they're just trying to you know ruin my life, and they won't let me do anything. You know, and you just got to sow this terrible attitude because you want all this independence. So I, I mean, part of it I chalk it up to that. But I agree with you though, like. That is that her her the way she treats her mother, man. That is that's not right. Okay. I mean, from an acting standpoint, it, it's outstanding. But this is a woman that has lost her husband, lost her youngest child, with no explanation, and you can't see that she's this distraught and that she's having difficulty coping. As are you. As a child in this family, as you said, you know, she's only 16 or 17, maybe, but but still, uh, she's way harsh with her mother, and it's just a really heartbreaking scene, and I mean, Martha has a point. You've basically abandoned your two teenagers for, the, you know, this period of time, but 
you know, I mean, she really is alone. I mean, and, and her children aren't really doing anything, uh, you know, to help that. So to watch them leave the house with Magnus carrying the time travel dice, when we know that's essentially what mom wants to talk about, the photo of. Right. And we're like, come on, you can all help each other, but it just doesn't come to fruition. And, you know, Magnus and his team, and, and I found a great photo for uh, the blog post this week of, of Magnus, you know, at the center of his team. And, and uh, you know, so that's going to be great. But once again, as they're entering, Elizabeth feels something. And then, of course, we see Noah peeking from behind a tree. Assuming he just arrived from 1921, because that's where we just saw him. But, you know, uh, right. uh, again, that may or may but not be he, true. Yeah, he could have been from, he's always dressed the same way. Right. So, right. yeah. But it, once they're at the cave, that Martha, aside from the confrontation with her mother, she seems to be more distraught than all of the others. And, and you know, they're, they're giving the still restrained Bartosh a chance to tell him what's in the case and what's going on and and you know francesca always cool collected uh you know human body can go but without she's food like the, three days yeah i mean she yeah she's like the most you know radical of all of them she seems the most hardcore of just like she's completely willing to just walk away and leave bartosh there for another day maybe even to leave him there to die right. and, and i mean again when i when i think about her eyes uh martha that is just the the way whether uh, i'm assuming it's makeup or lighting or whatever but just the really the dark circles under i mean she really mirrors the the pain her mother's going through for a slightly different reason but finally bartosh gives in and says it's a time machine hodor what now and (laughs) you know martha says fine Show us how it works. And he activates it, tells them to come closer, which they all do. And I guess at that point, that's believable. I mean, you've all seen these things. And once the God particle or whatever we're calling it, you know, the black sphere appears, they all step in and then poof. And uh, we're just waiting to know what time period they're going to end up in. It turns out to be 1987. Yeah, and, and of course, Bartosh is trying to explain, yeah, I didn't believe it at first either. Then he told me things were going to happen and, and all of that. And, and it was just really cool the way they find out because they're at that familiar bus stop. And then the two green and white police cars drive by, you know, the scene where you, that you just mentioned a minute ago about Ulrich seeing his children and, and stop the car those are my kids like yeah i'm sure they're gonna stop for that point but yeah i i I wasn't (laughs) sure whether any dude is everyone your freaking kid man all right but at first i thought well geez i wonder if magnus or martha recognized their father but why would they because he's 34 years older at this point so so of course they don't exactly there's no way yeah now they go back to 2020 and then of course martha finds the necklace on the bed but charlotte uh you know we get a big revelation about charlotte in this episode wow uh, yeah you know i mean everyone who saw that one come and raise your hand yeah like, no one yeah but all right <laughs> but adult jonas you know, basically tells charlotte all these things 
that that we've pieced together about Noah. He's one of them, a traveler, Adam's puppet, killed the children. But all she's concerned with, and again, this is somebody, you know, we see her in this episode that, that she too, I feel like I'm overusing the word distraught, but as she's in her grandfather's shop trying to just piece together for her at this point, her lineage and ask, do you know who my parents are? No, but I knew your grandfather. So you know what's going to happen in the future. Yep. All right. So at this point, the only one that doesn't, I guess, really is is teenage Jonas. But it's that confrontation she has when Noah shows up. And we learn that Noah is her father. So who's her mother? I mean, I'm sitting there trying to think, Okay, what are some of the possibilities? I mean, is there somebody I'm missing that's an obvious guess at this point? No. Okay. I mean, do we find out just not nothing obvious? Okay. Oh, you you'll find okay. out. It's, okay. So uh, it's, it's not. Yeah. A, Don't beat a, a, yourself a, up about it. But okay. yeah. So well, he, he, the thing is, like from you know uh, Caroline Icorn, the the actress playing Charlotte. I mean, we've seen Charlotte like tough, right? Yeah. Policewoman, cop. You know, tough character. Here we just see her just breaking down and really struggling and crying and uh man she finds out that noah's her dad i mean that's that's a lot to process at one time you know um but she just does like just such a great job with that role yeah and and then he tells her about her mother she loved you very much and she still loves you so i mean was that effing me well i I assume (laughs) it means her mother's alive albeit in a different timeline but obviously age doesn't mean a whole lot as we know when adult jonas sits down at the breakfast table with hannah who's roughly the same age as he is whatever that means And, and then of course hannah's story as soon as we hear the pounding on hannah's door i mean we know it's katarina it can't be anybody else yeah and Right. I want to go to 1987 to see Mickle. Uh, I, again, I, I love hate seeing these two together because it, it's so painful. And, and you get where Katarina is coming from. And, you know, once in a while, I find myself feeling for Hannah. And then I have to flash back to, no, mm. no. You know, 1987, yeah. teenage uh, Ulrich and... and Katarina having sex in that room and then you go and tell the cops that he raped her no no sorry yeah. you know i mean occasionally right Katarina's yeah, a it, little it, over the top but no uh-uh yeah i mean th- you're right this been this has just been from this is just stuff from way 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 back that like Katarina is just like not even aware of it but hannah has just held on to it and just twisted on all this stuff from when they were younger and everything. But again, uh, you know, again, Maya Sharina, uh, the actress there, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, Fred talks about this, just her kind of just being impassive and non-reactive to Katarina and everything. Yeah, she's just, oh, Hannah is just the worst. Well, and I like you know, when, when adult Jonas forces the issue 
and asks his mother, if you had to choose between Papa and Ulrich, who would you choose? And, of course, she yeah. doesn't answer. And then, right. And then he says, you need no one. You only need yourself. And that disappointment right. is clearly evident in, in, in adult Jonas that I thought you were somebody I could trust, but again it's just the, the the revelation of what your mother really is and who your mother really is it's got to be difficult even for a guy that's 50 some years old to to process if you'll if you'll take a moment for me for a second just this because it just happened today um i went to the library to, to pick up books and uh my wife had my uh my library card so i went up to the library and said can I check these out? My my mom, I mean my wife, has my library card, and there was just this awkward moment. I was like, "That was a bad Freudian slip, wasn't uh, it?" She's yeah. like, "Yeah." <laughs> so, but but the reason I told that anecdote is this: is that we, as as you know, as men, still having that young boy inside of it that worships his mother and puts his mother on the pedestal. I mean. Um, you know, my wife would contend that maybe that's not something we've always healthily gotten rid of by the time we get to be adults. And, and certainly Jonas is no different where, you know, Hannah's been his mother and this, you know, this person he's kind of looked up to and everything. And then now he's getting a lot of kind of crushing disappointments all at once. Well, that's a good point. All right. Um, anything you want to bring up before we move on to Fred's feedback? There is one thing. Uh, well, first of all, um, Alexander is obviously feeling the heat from Clausen a little bit. Yeah, not sure what that's uh, about, but yeah, he is. Right. Clausen just shows up at, at Hannah's place. Like, why? Don't know. Clausen, to me, is an intriguing character. But there's also something from last week, because he did this to... Um, to Alexander, so you know, you know, like Columbo. You remember Columbo, sure. right? Oh yeah. So you know how like that was always Columbo's move, where he would like be questioning someone, and they think he's done, and and they've like they've made it free and clear. He starts walking the door to the door, and then he turns and says, "Oh, but one more thing," and then like that's his big zinger question, right? Like Clausen did that last episode. I, I meant to mention it back then, but he was just like walking out. He turned around like. Oh, one more. Th yeah, like, and then he, that's when I think he started on the whole last name uh, line of questioning everything. But uh, I just thought that was hilarious, like Clausen as the German Columbo. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we take a second, listen to what Fred has to say this week, and then we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark Season 2, Episode 5. I will start with a spoiler that's not a spoiler. Because if you have listened to my audio feedback of last week, it won't be a spoiler. If you didn't listen to that and didn't look into the newspaper articles, then it will be a spoiler. So my last week's feedback, which is actually the feedback of yesterday for me. <laughs> when I hear myself saying this, it almost sounds like dark. So today is the 14th of July, Sunday, as you can hear. And yesterday, so on the 13th, I recorded my feedback for episode 4 with the whole analysis of the newspapers. 
Last night I watched the fifth episode, so the episode which we are going to talk about today, and I couldn't resist in immediately recording this. So I will record this, and then later in the week I will do the rest of my feedback. So what happened? Ulrich is taken away and brought back to the asylum, and he announces the next time I will kill you to Egon Tiedemann who now prevented Mikkel and Ulrich getting to the cave. Everybody knows that Egon Tiedemann was found dead in his house and that he had cancer. But only the ones that read the newspaper article knows that there were mysterious circumstances and that he was found in a pool of blood in which there was a footstep of somebody else. So, actually we now know that there will be another cycle. Because Egon gets killed. And that's only because we read the articles. Which means that the series is not finished now. Uh, and of course we already know that. Jonas goes back to stop everything. But we know that there will be a new cycle. And that Jonas will not succeed in preventing that. And that Egon is probably killed by Ulrich in that next cycle. This also fits the idea that... When Claudia goes back to 1987, when she came back from 2020, and she tucks in Regina there on the couch, that she tries to prevent some stuff, tries to prevent her father to be killed, etc. And obviously didn't succeed in that. And then later on, she goes on the time travel again, and got lost from that point onwards. The rest of my analysis I will do at the end of this week. Okay, this is Fred again five days later. In the meanwhile, I listened to your episode 4 podcast. I have a few things to come back to. Uh, one question of last week wasn't answered yet. I discovered a discrepancy between the two newspaper articles that Claudia looks at. In one article it says that Egon Tiedemann is found dead on the 26th of June and it was determined that he was dead for one day. So he died on the 25th of June. If we then look at the article about that Claudia is lost, it's said that she has been seen for the last time, two days ago or 48 hours, in the Winden Hospital with her father on the 26th. Uh, what if Egon died on the 25th? He has been seen with his daughter on the 26th in the hospital. In a discussion on Facebook, you Dave suggested that there could be different timelines. Well, having already a lot of different time periods, having different timelines as well, will become very confusing. Next topic. Oh boy, what a little cutie. Uh, so no surprise when we hear her called Agnes, and right. I, I think it's safe to say this is Agnes Nielsen, because we uh, obviously learned previously that Agnes and Noah are brother and sister. Um, so that's his great-grandmother, right? Yes, right. Yep. Nope, not right. It's his great-great-grandmother. We're going from Jonas to his father, Michael Nielsen, his grandfather, Ulrich Nielsen, his great-grandfather, Tronte Nielsen, and his great-great-grandmother, Agnes Nielsen. Sorry, guys, a part of my job is drawing pedigrees. Jonas, uh, the teenage Jonas, uh, 
sees the blueprints and the beginnings. Did you notice the, the beginnings of the device sitting there? Uh-huh. Didn't didn't look like it was complete, but I guess we really couldn't be sure. I'm sure Fred right. has a screen cap of it and uh, <laughs> has blown that up. And of course, I did this. Indeed, it's a half-finished time machine. But what also is, and I put it on the Facebook uh, page, is peculiar that this central round thing on the left side of the time machine is not there here, and there are some coils. So it's not finished, but partly it looks different. And I thought, where did I see these coils before? And... I really, really had to look, but I found it at the end of episode one of season one. Eric is put in this chair by Noah and the old type of the chair. So not a newer one in which they put Tronto in here in the second season. It also has these coils at the back. So any significance here? Why did the makers do it like that? So half, half finished time machine. Okay. But why a different component that's not there later on in the Finnish time machines? And we see it somewhere else, namely in this ch- in these chairs Noah uses for time travel or something like that. More or less like a time machine powered by kid lives. Although Tronto survives it. Well, at least in the newer type, which doesn't have these coils. I thought, by the way, that A.G. Tannhaus built the time machines in 1953. And here is one built in 1921. Uh, I shortly want to mention three things I put on the Facebook page as well. One is the analysis of one of the scenes that's in the opening credits. In the opening credits, you see these feet with a tag on it. And it proves to be that it's the dead old Claudia killed by Noah. You see it 23rd of June of 1954 on the tag, but you also see that date on the newspaper article Agnes has of the killing of Claudia. One other thing I put on the Facebook page is that, I got that from Twitter, that there is somebody who half cut young Jonas's face and the stranger's face and glued them together and really, really same kind of face. So the typecasting is so, so good. And they did the same with the younger Noah and the middle-aged Noah. Really, really impressive. And as a new item on the Facebook page, a new pedigree in which we have the reveal of that Noah is Charlotte's father. But no spoilers for further on. One brief other topic. I got the answer of one of my questions of last week, whether you could travel with the time machines only 33 years and with the God particle more. I was looking back to some stuff and encountered a scene in episode two where Jonas is showing his mother the time machine and he explains that you can travel with this machine 33 years into the future or into the past. Next question, of course, is if traveling with the God particle only makes it possible to travel the biggest leap. So going from 1921 to 2053 or back And that's perhaps also the reason why Adam is living in 1921. Why choose to live in 1921 and not one of the other years? I mean, in 1921 your resources are less. Okay, going into episode 5. First thing, 
I really have a hard time to see how the Nielsen children treat their mother. Of course, Katerina didn't take care of them. And of course, the children also lost their brother and father. But still, and especially this uh, Magnus, he is such a hole. If we see how he treats Bartois and just looking at his face, he is so, well, I don't like him. And probably we shouldn't, so the actor plays his role very well. So, kudos to the actor Maurits Jan. I think a very nice scene was the scene where old Ulrich and Mikkel meet, and Mikkel realizes, and quite quickly, and is accepting it much quicker than some other adults, that this old guy is his father. And a very nice reference to dad It's not how, it's when. And Ulrich gives this back to Mikkel. Whereas this for Mikkel is only a few months ago and for Ulrich more than 33 years. Must have been devastating for old Ulrich to see his other children, Marta and Magnus, just after he lost Mikkel again. Marvelously constructed by the Dark Makers. Another thing that I noticed is that Maya Schöne, who plays Hannah, does it very well in being silent. When Katharina is coming into her home and is accusing her of things and asking things, she just looks and says nothing. And later on, also Jonas talks to her and is accusing her or saying to her, you actually don't need anyone, you only need yourself. And she just looks and says nothing. I think this is marvelously acted. I have a question. Adam says that it took him 66 years to find out how to stop the time to cycle. In which time did he do that? Mainly in 1921? Or just traveling up and down 1921, 1954, 1987, 2020, 2053 and getting all his scars? One of the things I didn't understand, but that's of course time travel, that if Jonas prevents his father to kill himself, so Mikkel, then it all will stop. But he only can prevent his father killing himself if Mikkel already has traveled back in time. So there must have been a cycle. There must have been time travel. I don't get it. Please explain. Final topic. Of course it was a big reveal that Noah is Charlotte's father. I didn't see that coming. And of course I wonder as everybody who will be Charlotte's mother... No idea who that would be. Somebody we know or somebody we don't know. Well, if we follow Dark, it probably will be somebody we do know and be amazed again. What I found a little strange in the scene where Noah meets Charlotte in A.G. Tannhaus' old shop is that Charlotte is so threatened by Noah, whereas she is a police officer. So, I found that a little strange. I thought she would be a little more... Fierce. Okay, I will stop here because otherwise it will be too extensive. I'm looking very much forward to the first episode of the fifth season of Killjoys, the last and final season. And I have to contribute to two other podcasts, so the time that I'm only working working between brackets for you is over and going to do double shifts again like with star trek discovery for instance when we did the magicians greetings all the best fred from the netherlands 
All right. A lot of great uh, images that Fred has posted here for us, but also in the Facebook group. But but the first thing I want to mention that Fred brings up that that I love, you know, we know Jonas is sent by Adam into the God particle, theoretically to end the, the uh, cycle. And, and Fred predicts that he's going to fail because what's going to happen is that Ulrich is going to make good on his promise to Egon to kill him. So while, you know, we've got all these inconsistencies about Egon's death, uh, you know, maybe something happens that Adam didn't expect, or maybe Adam knew all along. But I, I love Fred's intimation that it might be Ulrich that somehow gets back and, and kills Egon in his apartment because they do well, yeah. let us know that it's suspicious. He said he was going to. Right. Yeah. Right now, but of course, at this point, we're like, mm, how does an 80 year old Ulrich escape from uh, the the hospital again? Exactly. You know? The again, like, he, he got away with it once. Uh, I don't know. They, they might have him locked down pretty tight. Right. So unless he has assistance the next time, true, which is not out of the realm of possibility. Not um, out of the realm of possibility. Now, we, we talked about the differing time machines, and and Fred brings up. Uh, whether or not there's any significance in, in the different devices that we see and how some don't seem to be as complete. Uh, you know, the one that we saw in, in the room with the kids and, and Eric strapped into the chair. I, I just think we have to assume that throughout the years, throughout the decades, I mean, we don't necessarily know how long this cycle has been going on, really, that these right. have just been differing attempts to travel through time and, and we know that some are successful some are are not that the caves are only one way to travel through time the god particle is certainly another and there are probably others that well we we do we we see the the machine that adam shows to jonas young jonas that this will take you to any point you want to go so there are at least three but then fred brings up whether or not there's a maximum that you can travel with the God particle. And, and he posits that 132 years, you know, because he's doing the math 2053 to 1921 and vice versa. But he asks, why is Adam living in 1921? Now that's a good question. I mean, I, I guess we could say he's not living in 2053 because it's a total disaster. So why would he want to live in in 2053 right. um in, in 2020 you know i guess maybe we could argue there's too much going on there's too many missing people that perhaps there would be too many questions asked and again looking like he looks that that raises a lot of questions now you could argue looking like he looks in 1921 could could pose the same kinds of issues but but he's he's older though it's not like right. he, he wouldn't be you know, like this, what, like 80? Yeah, I guess. Like almost 80-year-old guy just coming back from the war, like, hmm. Right. Not believable. Right. right. Now, I so Fred, I don't have an answer, but I love the question, and, and uh, hopefully it's going to be, you know, one we'll get some clarity on. Now, he brings up what we we're talking about. Adam says it took him 66 years to find out how he could stop the cycles. 
are, in which time did he do that? Which I, I guess goes back to his, his the question we just talked about in a second. You know, why does he live in 1921? When did he figure this out? Did he figure it out in 87 and 53? Yeah, again, and, and as far as the scars, I, I just think it's one of those things, as we said last time, that traveling through time does not come without cost. And it right. seems clear that Jonas more so than anyone has, has done the bulk of the time traveling. So it'll be interesting if, if we see any of the others that are traveling, you know, I mean, like with Noah, I mean, we don't really see any indication that Noah has any physical disfigurement at this point. Right. So true. Um, Good point. And else. Noah does seem to be doing a lot of traveling. So, yeah. So, you know, he brings up, uh, like we said, who, who's Charlotte's mother going to turn out to be? And I don't know. You know, at first I thought, oh, maybe it's Agnes. I'm like, oh, well, no, that's incest. So that, that, not that, that yeah, nope. Not that that can't happen, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, but I limited well, they, but that. They, it's, it, it, yeah, it's not like it accidentally happened, though. And, you know, Noah's not going to go for any of that kind of stuff. So, right. But, so yeah, no, that, that, we could definitely rule that out. But there's, I mean, there's, well, we assume, especially throw in the time machine could be anyone. Man. Well, right, and we assume she was born probably around 1960 or so, maybe 65. Um, so somebody that we know in 1953 that's got to be a little bit older. So can't wait to hear there. And then, of course, he finishes feedback for us with some. Killjoy's news, and and we are coming up on episode two of the final season of Killjoy's, and and I know Fred leaves feedback on Solo Talk Media for Killjoy's, which is an awesome show. But uh, yeah, see, I didn't a know Killjoy's had come back, and b that this was the final season. Yeah, yes, it, so that's all news to me. So, but thank you there, Fred. Okay, yeah, and that's a show that at the beginning of season four they were told you get two more seasons. And I think they filmed them concurrently and then just, of course, sat on season five until uh-huh. uh, time to release. So, so yeah, they were able to, um, you know, hopefully give a satisfying ending to the fan. But, Fred, thanks for all the feedback. Thanks for the awesome screen caps. And, you know, as always, Fred, uh, if he hasn't posted it in the Facebook group yet, uh, I'm sure he will shortly. So, all right, anything else? Uh you know, pretty damn good episode. That's that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot in this one for sure. But uh, what do you um, what are you going B plus this week, uh, Mister Hard Grader? Uh, you know, I'm going to give it an A minus just to change it up a little. Okay. bit. Okay, all right. Yeah, I understand that. I guess I just to me there was so much emotion in this episode. The acting again. I don't want to say it's better because it's always great, but I, I think. The emotional scenes that we see, whether it's Martha, whether it's that hug between Ulrich and Mikkel, uh, whether it's watching Ines dump the the powder into his cocoa, knowing what must be going through her mind, uh, Katerina, uh, Jonas, just utter disappointment in his mother. So I'm still going A, but. Yeah, I just wish there was like a car chase or something. (laughs) Yeah all right well we'll go ahead and leave it there until next week and that's going to do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch we want to thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about dark 
Anything else going on on Genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community, and if you're already a member, you can bring other people aboard. Emails to us, go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can leave a voicemail using the Speak Pipe tab, which you can get on the website. We'll be back next week to continue our discussion of Dark Season 2, Episode 6, titled An Endless Cycle. But until then... So I was just thinking about uh, my buddy Dan, who, when we were freshmen in high school, during lacrosse practice, wasn't wearing a cup and took a shot right to the, uh, as we affectionately call them in America, the family jewels. I just remember thinking that there are moments that change us forever. There is pain you never forget. <laughs>